What's up, everybody? Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick thing I want to share with you. I think I mentioned it later in this episode, but I have started working with the Keto Road True Nutrition Coaching as a one-on-one holistic ketogenic nutrition coach. I can work with you to help put together your macros, how you should be eating, work with you on mindset, action planning. The program includes coaching calls, daily check-ins, and exclusive access. So if this is something you're interested in, go check it out at theketoroad.com. And now, on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy, and I'm glad to have you here with us yet again. And today, I'm going to be talking to another guy with a story to bring to you about his journey and his experiences. And that guy is Chris Stanley. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I want to let you know you are the the earliest rising guest I've had on the show yet. The person who's gotten, <laughs> up, the, gotten up the earliest to record. Where where Chris is the the bunker Chris is located in is it's a, a little after five a.m. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us early. So I absolutely won't, thank you for I, having me. Definitely, man. Definitely, and I won't waste your time with any, you know, any any pre chitter. We'll we'll dive right into the meat of the episode. And Chris, I'll ask you that question: What qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? I don't think that there's anything that doesn't qualify me to be on the Fat Guy Forum. I mean, uh, I've been a fat guy my entire life, uh, from 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 the very beginning, like from as early as I can remember. I'd say around four or five years old uh, is when I like showed, you know, uh, signs of being uh, a, a memorable and obnoxious fat guy. Uh, I've always, always been overweight, always been fat. Uh, there's never not been a time. Um, I, I would say around, I think it was like high school was when like shit got like, you know, hard as a fat guy, you know, cause I think like as a kid, no one, like it's like kind of weird, but no one really gives a fuck. It's kind of like growing up poor. Like when you're poor and like a really like young kid, you don't really know. And if you do know, it doesn't really affect you because you have like all these other outlets. But yeah, I I would say uh, since since the beginning of my life, I have qualified to be on the fat guy uh, forum. I've I've been prepping for this for 32 years, man. Well, there you go, man. And so what was so. Knowing that, you know, your your weight issue started early and then you like you said, kind of got a little more serious in high school. Like, were other people in your family overweight? Was it something that it was just you? Like, were you the loner? Like how what was that like? My dad was overweight, but he was just like uh he was just like a fat guy, you know, like he like 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 just to qualify, I guess. Like my highest weight was five hundred and fifty pounds. I was over three hundred and fifty pounds by the time I hit freshman year of high school. Um, I have, I have never been until now I've, I haven't been under 350 pounds as an adult in my entire life. My dad was like a fat dude, but he wasn't like, he was like American fat, you know, like if you saw him down the street, you would go, Oh yeah, that guy's fine. He probably just has a little touch of the diabetes. Um, but no, I was like the lone wolf in my family, uh, with, with that. I, I was also adopted. So like it wasn't like anything that would have been like, you know, attributed to like genetics was out the fucking window. It was just like it was like, oh, well, this is it. And what was it like to, you know, 350 to hit 350 as you're going into high school? Like what? So what was that experience like? 
it was it was pretty bad at first, man. It was pretty bad because I went from I, I did K through eight at one school, right? And like I had like all my friends and shit like that. And then the second I hit high school, it was it was like I developed self consciousness and uh it was rough, man. You know, I mean like anything that, you know, I'm sure you went through, uh, or or maybe you didn't. I, I, I don't know your full story on the background. Uh, but I mean, you know, bullying, uh, constantly, there was a one time or not one time, it was multiple times I'd be walking through the halls and there was this one kid that would like come up to me and like lift up my man boob and yell titties in the middle of the, uh, hallway. And I, if anyone had like uh, confronted me in any other way, I was always like pretty quick to go, Hey man, what the fuck? But in that moment, in those moments, cause it happened multiple times. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea how to like, like confront it, stop it, because it was like such a embarrassing and like shitty fucking moment. It's also, in hindsight, pretty hilarious. So I can't even really get that mad. But uh, no, man, high school sucked in that in 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 like that capacity. I hated I hated it. Um, and then I went to another school, like like my first year of high school was in like public high school, and then I went to this like. Uh, high school that was geared towards like uh, pregnant teenagers and drug dealers, and then, and then there was me. Neither of those, neither of those. <laughs> and and it's funny because like when you 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 were talking about you know my story, like bullying is a big part of my past. Like when I was a kid, especially being you know I'm I'm probably 15 years older than you, so when I was the fat kid. There were no other fat kids like so you're literally, you know, the lone target. And it, it's funny when I started this podcast, my immediate thought was, you know, most other most other guys that got as big as I got probably went through some bullying at some point. And I think like and I think like the first probably almost like five to ten guests I had on the show when I get to that question would be like, oh, no, I played sports and I was popular. No, um, she... and, and it was like I was and I was crushed emotionally. You know, I was like <laughs> I was waiting for like, you know, my my Oprah Winfrey, you know, talk Phil Donahue, like talk show moment connection. They're like, moment they're like, like they're like, yeah, they're like, no, you know, as soon as I, as soon as my the football coach saw I was big, I was putting the football team and everything was great. And I'm like, oh, you and that, you know, and that I mean, obviously, you know, everyone's experiences are different. But I was just like, come on, where's the. Where's the, where's the the fat kids that I can relate to? <laughs> oh, buddy, I'm right here, and that's that's actually funny because I remember I was I was at my locker in freshman year of high school, and the the football coach came up to me and he was like, "We're putting you on the team," and I was just like, "No, <laughs> not at all. I want to I want to play guitar and smoke weed. I'm not I'm not fucking going on the football team." Um, yeah, no, I, I mean bullying is a huge part of my story. Bullying was a huge part of my story up until I got out of high school, and even then. Like being, being 550 pounds, bro, like bullying is every day, right? Like there's no, like I, I would, it, it, it sounds dramatic. It sounds exaggerated, but like I'd walk down the street and people would fucking scream, you know, like people and, and not scream in fright, but like they would scream there, like, you fat fuck. Like that shit, you know, was a, a daily thing. You know what I mean? Like there was never, bullying was never not an issue. And then there would even be the, the, um, I, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but the passive aggressive bullying or like, you know, the uh, the uh, bullying that was like, you know, set up as like being nice and worried about you, you know, like all that unsolicited advice on weight loss and shit. I mean, that's, you know, it's every it was an everyday thing. Oh, I, I mean, I remember 
I, I was, when I was over 500 pounds, I was, I think I was at my heaviest. I was in a supermarket parking lot, putting stuff into my car and clearly could barely stand, you know, like I, it, it almost killed me to go in the store. And this woman came over to me like crying and like handed me a card and it was her weight loss surgeon. And she's like, there's help for you. There's help. For and I got so mad. Like, oh, of course, I, I, I flipped out and then I went right to Wendy's. <laughs> so my mine would have been mine would have been Taco Bell, and that's funny not to not to uh, uh, get too focused on this. But I, one of my very first jobs was working at a supermarket, and I was like the cart guy. You know, I'd like move the carts around, and uh, there was one dude that came up to me, and he just started telling me how proud he was of me uh, for for working and for standing for so long, and uh, how his brother was you know really overweight. And he started, he wasn't crying, but like he might as well have been crying. And I was so fucking, I was like, leave me alone, dude. Like, leave me the fuck alone. It, it's weird, man. People think that like because you're that big, you, you're just approachable no matter what. Like, no one respects your personal space. Oh, yeah. Whether it's going to be they want to talk to you about your weight loss or they want to just come up, like you were saying, you know, and say whatever rude crap they want to say. You know, like it, it's like you're, it's like you become something like a public display you know, once you kind of like pass a certain size and kind of before we, we get even too more into like what adulthood was like for you, man, like I, something I want to talk about is so 350 hitting 350 by high school, you know, what was your relationship with food? Like, like, what do you, where do you think 350 pounds at that age came from? So my, my, my mom, what I had found out later in life was that my mom was like pretty heavy as a kid. Like, like, like even in like to her adulthood, she was pretty heavy and the, the way that I understand it, and there's a reason that I'm bringing all this up is that when she was uh, younger, she had like a stomach issue and they gave her pretty much what was now weight loss surgery. They didn't do it for weight loss surgery, but that, those were the effects, right? Like that's, th those were the after effects. So like pretty much, man, like I wasn't like, we weren't rich. We were like, we weren't dirt poor, but like we were like, you know, lower, lower middle class, you know? And I was like a spoiled poor kid. Like I, I, I didn't get shit that I wanted, but what I would get was like, you know, getting to eat whatever the fuck I wanted and like, you know, not having to do chores or work around the house or work out or whatever. So I think my relationship with food, 350 pounds got to just because I could eat whatever the fuck I wanted and there was no, there was no stopping it. And like there would be talks about it, right? Like my parents would be like, look, you gotta lose weight. You know, you gotta, you can't keep eating like this. And then I would just, throw a fit and they'd be like fuck it and then i would just eat whatever the fuck i wanted like my my mom would make me like my own meatloaf for dinner you know what i'm saying like 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 you do the one meal a day so i would eat like your one meal a day but like in conjunction with four to five other meals um and i mean dude i mean i i don't think it's a surprise to say eating was a fucking coping mechanism you know i wasn't happy with myself and like you know the fatter you get the the less happy you are with yourself, right? And then, and then you're just like eating more. Like you just said, you went to Wendy's, you know. Like I'm pretty sure it was in conjunction with fucking being depressed, fucking hating myself, hating that I couldn't stop eating, you know. Like because that was another thing. Like the second I eat certain foods, there's no stopping it, and uh, that was like my entire life. And I mean, at first, you know, it starts off that food is a celebration, right? Food is what you use to celebrate, but then food is what you use when you're feeling sad. Food is what you what you use when you're anxious or you're worried. I just had like from the get just the worst relationship with food. 
I thought it was a coping mechanism. Oh, for sure. And I think it's funny because a couple people I've talked to recently have gone to that that spot you were talking about initially where, you know, they're, they come from backgrounds, you know, not the wealthiest families, but there was always space to celebrate or reward with food. You know, like that was always something, you know, like you could always, you know, there there may not have been, you know, a big vacation coming up, but there was going to be, you know, snack cakes in the cupboard. You know, like every, every, there was never not, right. you know what I mean? And, and it's, it, I'm, I'm really, uh, actually happy that you brought up that idea of like, there's not a vacation coming up. There's, there was a guy, he, he recently passed away, but he was a chef in New York and he would, he, he, he did a lot of like, uh, Opie and Anthony stuff, I guess, like just like radio shit, but he, he was a chef and like, he would talk about how like, you know, food, like, like for poor people. Um, and just like really like just like, you know, like uh, underprivileged people, I guess, like your vacation or your new car is not in your future. But what is in your future is going to fucking McDonald's, you know, and like and and McDonald's and fast food. I haven't had that shit in a while, but like, dude, that shit's delicious. Like, that's so good. And it's an escape. You know, like that's your vacation like that right there. That's the vacation. That's what's getting you outside of yourself and your head and all that. Um, and yeah, no, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. A hundred percent. Like food is like, kind of like the, the, the escape of the poor <laughs> you can afford, you know, 10, 15 bucks, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, and, and it's hard, I think, because it is like parents that are trapped in that place of like, they know they can't provide these bigger things, but they can provide these other things that are provide, you know, or giving that moment of happiness or, or, or even giving that moment of normalcy. When they're stressing out about, you know, making sure the rent is paid, you know, and will there be, you know, will there be a place to live the next month? But hey, you know, at least if we still go to McDonald's to, you know, and, the, and get to hang out at the play pit and all that stuff on Saturdays, you know, things are still good. Like you can create, it's, it's kind of like powerful what as human beings we can kind of normalize and what we put into place. And like, and then like you, it, it starts to become ingrained, like it starts to have that impact where like you associate food with all those you know those those joyful emotions as a kid and then you start to realize that hey it doesn't just help when i'm happy you know if i'm not feeling good it's gonna make me happy like you know you start to realize that you can use it in other ways and what and it's not like we all sit down and we map out you know which coping mechanism am i gonna choose you know there's food, <laughs> nope not there's all. drugs there's alcohol <laughs> there's emotional abuse like which spin the wheels <laughs> Spin the coping wheel, but like it, it just it becomes like this this natural piece that you gravitate towards. And I think there's probably people out there that are like listening and like you know I I've I've said the number a couple of times, but you know like three fifty by high school, you know is something some people hear and they're probably like, well how on you know how on earth do you even enable that to happen? But it it becomes just your normal and it becomes that's your life, like you said, and like you you start to get to a point where you can defend it. Like, I think I got the same way with my weight. Like I got to the point where people stopped being concerned about my weight openly because you shut them down to the point that you, they, they know they're getting nowhere and all you're going to do is keep pushing them away. I had a really good friend write me a letter once and say, I can't keep watching you kill yourself with food. And he said, so if you're not going to make change, I'm out of your life. And I said, and I literally said, okay, goodbye. Like, it, 
we put that to get, like we make those choices like and we reinforce that behavior but we also kind of role model it to other people like no you can't talk to me about that like no i'm not gonna you know i'm i'm fine move on you know as much as they may be concerned because that's what happened also like when the first time i lost the the all the weight you know when i was four when i turned 40 in 2013 the like my birthday party which was also kind of the celebration of the you know hitting my goal weight it was just dozens of people saying we're so happy you're not going to die like all we thought you were going to die and i'm like you literally never said that to me like no one had none of you here ha have ever expressed this to me but you know i had a discussion with someone and they were like well how could we you know you were not open to that discussion and i'm like no oh, you're not right at not at all. I a hundred. That's very interesting for you to say that because I had a very similar experience, and 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 I I still haven't lost all my weight, right? Like I'm still like seventy pounds from like my you know target goal weights or seventy four now. Like I I remember a very good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Tracy. She had, when when I had dropped down to about three twenty, right, and and that's still a heavy weight, right? That's still a heavy fucking weight because they only know me. Like Tracy only knew me like I think from like four hundred pounds and up, right? So like when I got down like three twenty, she said she was like, "We were really worried you were gonna die," and in my head I thought like, "Why wouldn't you fucking tell me that?" But like you said, like we're gonna push people away. We're not open to that conversation. And I think that as fat dudes, we're going to do one of three things. We're either going to just ignore you, right? Even in the moment, we're just going to ignore whatever you're saying. We're going to get upset and look at you as the asshole, you know, like, oh, you're, just, you're attacking me. Or we're just going to placate you. We're just going to say what you want to hear. The amount of times that, like, I had, like, relatives, like, like, you know, when I was younger say, like, you know, hey, look, you need to do this and do that. I would just be like, oh, I know. I get it. I understand. But then, like you said, I also had the experience of at a certain point, people were just like, this is just who this guy is. Like, there's no changing. it. No, and I think you're right. Like, I, I think especially like that placating piece, like I, you know, when, when I hit around 350 in high school and my parents freaked out, like they were going to like, I just remember all I wanted to do was please them. You know, they mm. they were also threatening to take my car away, but. I just remember kind of, you know, they're like, That's you know, we're, we're, you're go they, basically they were like, you're going to Weight Watchers, meetings are Tuesdays at four o'clock, or we're taking your car away. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Weight Watchers again. Uh, but, but I think also like the other thing is like, you start to learn, you know, and I think this is something that, you know, evolves from that place of, of the bullying. Uh, and, you know, a lot of guys I've talked to that, you know, you, you start to develop this personality where, it's not just, you know, you don't want to talk about your weight, but you start to say, you start to just make sure people know that you're okay and you're happy, you know, yeah, like you yeah. start, you, you start to like, and like, that's where I think like hu the sense of humor and like making the fat jokes about yourself start to come in and like all of that starts to come into play because it's like you cut it off at the pass. Like if you bring it up before someone else does, they can't, you know, oh, it, of takes course. The, it takes it's the a power mechanism. away from that. Exactly. Sure. For and sure. and what's funny that you say that is that like it took me I would say up until like into my 20s and even into my 20s I was still uncomfortable but it took me up into my 20s to be okay with accepting or saying a fat joke and by accepting I just mean even me saying like because for so long I couldn't do that 
like for so long, like I couldn't even, like, I didn't even want to acknowledge it. And then when anyone else even acknowledged it, I would label them an asshole or a piece of shit or, you know, some, something that would make me, uh, not have to face, you know, what they were saying was true. Like, I remember like, even like my best friends, like, you know, if they made a fat joke about me, I probably wouldn't say anything, but I would hold a resentment so goddamn hard. Like, I would just be like that piece of shit, you know? And that's, that's, you know, it, it is what it is, but like, that's how it was. It wasn't until in my twenties that I, dev- I figured that out. I think I was a late bloomer with that. Like, like I, that I figured out, oh, if I, if I bring this up now, then no one else, even if they do, it's already been brought up and they've like taken the, the sting away. So, or I've taken this thing away, so they can't do shit. Like they can't hurt me. And then, you know, like the sense of humor I always had, but man, was it, was it hard to accept fat jokes, bro? So Chris, let's get back into your story a little bit. Like, so after, take us after high school and, and what brought you, you know, what, what were the circumstances that led to you weighing, you know, 550 pounds? So, um, I mean, what are the circumstances? There's a bunch. So like after high school, uh, in, in the middle of high school, I got into the, uh, insane clown posse and, uh, I, uh, I got really into that scene, which is a dope scene. Uh, I'm, I'm still involved with it. But, uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because that like extended outside, like after high school, um, which is just like a party scene, pretty much, you know, lots of drugs, lots of fun. Um, so, so after high school, like my mom passed away, uh, I was living with my dad. And I had just like dead end job after dead end job. And, uh, man, I, I wish I could like give like a definitive thing on like what it was that led to 550, but I think it was a culmination of everything, you know, just a culmination of, uh, outside, uh, influences of like, just by influences, I mean, just like me not controlling myself, you know, got really into drugs, got really into drinking, got really into, you know, just partying in general. And I kind of just lived life as like, you know, there was no tomorrow. It was like, you live for today and that's it. That's all you're doing. And you're just getting as fucked up as possible. And in the, in the middle of, or not in the middle of, but like adding to getting fucking wasted every day, it was also, what's a, what's the second best thing next to drugs and alcohol? And that's food, you know? So we're just gonna, we're gonna get as, we're gonna eat as much as possible. Um, in the juggalo scene, and I've said this a couple times in regards to the scene. I think the scene is great because everyone is accepting of everyone. Like everyone, like no one gives a fuck about what you look like, what you do, what you say. It's just all about like your actions and like your, you know, energy pretty much. And I love that. And I needed that in my life. But I also feel that being in a scene that was so accepting, I contorted that in my mind to being, well, I'm this weight and that's okay. Like that's just, that's just fine. And like you said before, man, there was never really anyone, people would make comments, you know, people would say like, oh man, you know, hope you're, hope you're doing good. You all right? Are, are you happy? You know? And I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm happy. But when I would go to like a festival with them, I couldn't even walk to the bathroom, you know, like I couldn't move. But anyway, uh, I, uh, in, in that scene, I made a lot of friends, people that I talk to every day to this day, you know, some of my best fucking friends. And I think that what happened was that I found a scene that accepted me and my parents, you know, like they, they were loving, but like, they didn't really accept me. My relatives, they were loving too, but they didn't like, they would always make comments like, Hey, you know, you got to lose weight. Um, and even like my friends from high school, uh, most of them were into the ICP too. 
So like it was just like, well, this is what it is my 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 nickname uh, throughout my whole life, and it still is, is uh, Jelly, right? So like everyone's like, oh, that's just who Jelly is, you know? And uh, ballooning up to five fifty was pretty much. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say it's the. It's because of the scene. That's bullshit. But I think being in a scene that's so accepting can have distorted effects on someone who is not willing or wanting to change who they are. And you can lose yourself inside of that scene and let yourself tell you all these lies of like, well, this is who I am. I can't change. It is what it is. Look at all these people that love me, you know? Um, and I think that was a big part of it. That was a huge part of like, you know, getting to 550. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I, I think, <coughs> excuse me, we, we naturally, especially when, when we're someone with that kind of relationship with food and, and, you know, with weight, you know, in that range, like we surround ourselves with people and a life that will enable the behavior, you know, that behavior is so reinforced at that point, like stopping it seems impossible, you know, like making any kind of change seems really impossible. So you want people, you know, you want to have circumstances and people around that are going to make it as comfortable as possible. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense, man. Can I ask you a question? Because I just sure. heard this question yesterday and I think it's really good because I thought of it for myself. At your heaviest, did you ever see a way out? Did you ever like, like, like not like, you know, did you dream of it or whatever? Like, did you ever see a solid way to get the weight off? Honestly, I, I don't think I did. Like for me, like, especially because like, I, I think there's, some uniqueness to the the circumstances of when I started losing weight for my heaviest, like I, I started losing weight because I was unemployed. So really? it wasn't, Oh it wow. Wasn't, okay. It was, it wasn't really by choice initially. Like it was because there isn't money to buy the food, you know, like when there isn't money to buy the food, you lose the weight, you know, yeah. that's the, that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's the magic true. of the equation. You know, the, the people true. that are quote unquote naturally fat, no one is naturally 540 pounds. Like nope. no one is no one, literally no one, you know, sorry. You know, even, even people with that 0.111, you know, 0.00111% metabolic disorder that might exist possibly in the realm of science fiction, you know, no one is actually <laughs> that big. So when I you stop, you, you know, when you stop having, you know, the money to buy the fast food and the candy and the junk food and, you know, you're having to walk more and all of that, like that, that was really like, I say, like, it was the poverty diet that started my weight loss, you know, and then it that is what built the momentum so that I could continue it. Like, it wasn't that I was like, oh, well, I'm going to die. So I should, you know, because I, I 540 pounds, I was a mess. Like, I was a disaster. Like I was undiagnosed diabetes. I had undiagnosed sleep apnea. Like I would have people tell me I had sleep apnea because they could hear it. Like Dude, I had that I, same know, shit. <laughs> I mean, I had, and this is, you know, this is too much information and gross, but like my legs would swell to the point that they would rip and I would have fluid leaking from my legs. Or if I scraped them, it would take weeks for the wounds to heal. Like, and I would have to bandage them and deal with all of that. Like, and I was still eating like nothing was going to stop me, like literally nothing was going to stop. And the only thing that did was like the and the only thing that I think that kept me from getting heavier. And this is, you know, I've said this to a couple of people, like, I think it's the, the blood sugar issues. Like eventually you kind of tap out and like your body starts to kind of like shut down and get, you know, you start to drop weight because 
you know, your, your blood sugar is so out of control. Like, I think that started to become a factor at different points as well. Like there were so many things that were coming into play, but like, no, like for me, I had, I had literally accepted I was going to die sometime in the next, you know, five years from that point. Like, yeah, you know, like I, and I, and, and the sicker thing is I was, I had gotten okay with it. Like yeah, it wasn't, you just accept it, right? You're it, like, oh, you accept it. Like, God, yeah, we're like, out of this. You know, like I stopped worrying about, do I have a retirement fund? Do I worry about any of that shit? Like, it, it's nope. like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm going to be dead. Like, there's literally no way I will survive. So why worry about anything? You know, like it's. It, that it's, is nail on the fucking head, my friend. That is, yeah, uh, that would be. I have that same experience with feeling that way, you know, just thinking like, why am I going to give a fuck? Why am I going to go to college? Like, why am I going to try anything? And, and, and I think that's important to bring up that it, a, a lot of people call fat people like lazy, right? Like that's like a big, you know, thing. It's like, oh, they're lazy. Like, cause like they don't take care of themselves. And maybe part of that's true. Cause I, I mean, for me, I know I'm a lazy motherfucker, right? But I don't think it's so much, I, I, I don't think it's so much the laziness as it is what you just said which is I know I'm going to die from food. I know that this this only ends and like we know it. it there's no there's no, I'm not sitting there like oh I'm going to be fine. No, it's like I'm going to fucking die. But it's also the fact of like well I'm going to die. Why am I going to bother fucking putting timer investing anything else but the bare minimum and shit. For sure man. And so what then like let's turn that back around then to you like what started to change for you then like how did you how did you go you know did you have a moment or like because i you know i've talked to some guys that have like a, a wake-up moment and then some guys make gradual changes like how did your life change from 550 to where you are now like how did that even get started it it, it was a while so like i've had like about four huge dips in weight like four, like four, you know, times where I like my weight dipped really i mean really low this is the lowest i've ever been uh, 264 right now to, to qualify. Um, so the first moment that happened and, and, and I mean, it's none of it's like a white light moment. Um, but the first moment I went to the doctor and I stepped on the scale and I, that's when I saw the 550 and like, it hit me. I was like, I'm a, I'm over a quarter of a ton. That's what my mind, you know, processed it as. And I was like, fuck, I was like, this is, this is insane. I got to try something. So I started just starving myself. Um, and I was also, uh, at that point I got into doing uh, slam poetry. Uh, so I was, I was out a lot. Like I was always going to like New York or I was going to like Jersey city. I I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, now I live now, now I live in Los Angeles. Um, but I would, I was always like, you know, out. So like, like you said, like, you know, walking a lot more and like me just starving myself, I dropped down to about three fifty. Like I got down to like, I think the lowest I got to is three fifty. Then I got into a relationship and I just gained all that weight back in almost like a day. It was just like an immediate thing, you know, like you're happy. It's like, oh, this is good. And then boom, gained it all back. And then I went to a, uh, a doctor and I shot up to 500. And then I like, I, I had a couple more times where I was like trying to like, you know, lose weight. There, there was never any wanting to lose weight to be healthy. It was more, I was just embarrassed at how fucking huge I was. Like my, my health, I've, I mean, even to this day, I've had, um, my, my biggest issue and it, it, I guess you can relate has been, uh, leg infections. That's been like my biggest, but it's only been due. And this is way more embarrassing than what you said. It's only been due to athlete's foot. 
<laughs> after going to like gyms. Um, and uh, now um, that's all been taken care of. And that's like out of my life. That's like a, a, a no, it's a non-issue now. Um, but like, aside from that, dude, I've never really had any fucking health problems, you know? Like I've never, I, I don't have diabetes. My blood sugar's fine. Uh, I don't have any things that like normal, I guess, fat guys go through. So like there was never a health issue. It was never a health scare. It was just being embarrassed. Then um, I think I, I had shot back up to about 480, 500 pounds. And that's when I started doing the weight loss Instagram. It was after a really bad breakup. It was after I lost my job. I was uh, and 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 I don't know like how much you want me to get into this. Uh, we don't even have to, but like hardcore drug addict here, bro. <laughs> like hardcore drug addict. Like drugs are a part of my story. Um, and like I had this like moment of like fuck. Like I need to get my shit together. And it was like around 2017, and that's when I started the weight loss Instagram, which I how I know you. Um, I started doing that, and it started with just making it like an accountability thing. Like I realized that like, you know, food was the problem. Like I couldn't control my eating. So if I just mass, like if I just put all my shit onto Instagram, maybe that would like give me enough public accountability to not be a fat fuck. Um, and then that's kind of like what got the ball rolling. Uh, but I, I never stopped doing drugs. That was like kind of, <laughs> that was, that was, that was kind of like just still there. And Hey, by the way, even like to, to, to make it clear, uh, my drug of choice was weed and cocaine. And cocaine, all it did was just make me eat really fast. There was never, it, it never stopped, it never stopped the hunger. It never stopped the wanting to eat. It just made everything, uh, like I wouldn't eat while I was like doing coke, but the second the bag was done, I was going to Taco Bell. Or I would go to Taco Bell first, fucking fill up as much as I could, and then do coke for the next 12 to 14 hours. <laughs> and that so was... So you're saying you weren't the the stereotypical joke about cocaine being a weight loss drug? Not at all, bro. If you and and I'm not even gonna. Uh, I am not a joke thief. You can listen to Artie Lang talk about how <laughs> coke and crack do not help you lose weight at all. Sometimes <laughs> it's just it and and it's weird because I thought that that would. I really thought that like, oh, this will. I can use this as like my, you know, as like the food. And nope, it did not. If if anything, like once the bag was done my focus shifted from cocaine right over to food, right over to it. So I started that weight loss Instagram and I was getting like good results because I was like, I mean, I was still doing drugs, but like I was eating healthy, you know, like I was doing like a, like I, I've, I've done keto. I'm not keto now, uh, full disclosure, but like I've done keto a few times. Um, I, I salute you for being able to do it, man. I love fruits too much. Love a good fruit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't do keto, but I've done that. Um, I've done like all those like, you know, like the intermittent fasting stuff and I was getting results on it. And then um, I moved to, I moved from Jersey to LA. Um, and I, when I got here, I don't know if you, if you're familiar with LA at all, but there's just like cocaine delivery services out here. So um, <laughs> the, the coke use kicked up um, and, and dude, with the coke use kicking up, man, so did uh, everything going on with like eating. And, and while I was out in LA, I actually lost a lot of weight. Cause I was, I, I, I had the, the finances at the time to not work and just, uh, go to the gym and do Coke and eat. And that's all I was doing. And I was still binging while I was doing the weight loss. Like I was still binge eating food, but I was like working out enough to where it was like dropping and, uh, it was steadily dropping, steadily dropping. And then my life kind of hit a fucking wall. Uh, everything came crashing down. Kind of like what you said, 
before, like with your life, like being a mess when you were like 540, my life became a fucking shit show mess, man. Last year it became really fucking bad. There was a, uh, it got sad as fuck. Dude, I'm not going to lie, bro. Suicide was the best out I had. Um, drugs were rampant. Uh, my food was out of control. And then at that point I had kind of like a white light experience of, I need to stop. Uh, and then I got sober. Uh, and in getting sober, I also got food sober, which is something I love watching you talk about, man. Like one of my favorite things to watch you talk about on your Instagram is like th the relationship with food. I think on Instagram, there's a lot of people that are, are as big as we were and even bigger. And I don't see them addressing the food issue. I never see it. What I see is them addressing how you got to work out and how you got to stay consistent and all. And, and that's true, you know, if you want to be a fucking bodybuilder. But like, if you're not addressing your main issue, which is your issue with food, you're never going to lose weight. You're never, it's never going to fucking happen for you. And it's, it's, it, it was refreshing. And I'm not trying to just, uh, you know, uh, verbally fillet you, but it was refreshing when I saw your page and I was like, this guy fucking gets it. Like this, this guy is fucking understanding. Um, anyway, I feel like I'm rambling, but, uh, yeah. So like there, there was a lot of turning points, uh, but I, I hit really high, got out here to LA shit was good for a little bit, fakely good, not really good shit hit, shit hit the fan. And then, um, I started going to, uh, 12 step programs, which, you know, really fucking helped me with drugs and alcohol. And it really fucking helped me with the food. Which was going to be my question because like, I think. You know, if, if you sit down and talk to someone who was, you know, 550 pounds and they they got onto, you know, started a successful weight loss journey, like that's an, an epic journey in and of itself, you know, like being down almost 300 pounds. Then if you were to talk to someone who was fully in that life, you know, do, with coke and drugs and they get sober, that's an epic story in and of its own. And you were tackling both of those issues at the same time. Like what what did it take to be able to do that? So I, so the drugs were the first thing I tackled, right? Like, and, and, and by the way, just to clarify, I'm not even eight months sober yet from drugs and alcohol and in food sobriety, I just celebrated five months. Um, I, it, the, <laughs> this is going to get really dark, but it's also kind of funny. <laughs> this is gonna get really, but it's, it's very funny. So I had a plan in like, I think the end of September of last year to kill myself. And I was going to do it in a certain way that needed, uh, it was necessary to get uh, a tank of helium in a fucking plastic bag, right? And uh, to buy helium that like works for that is like a few hundred dollars. And I was broke as shit. And I kept spending all my money on Coke. And then I had like kind of that epiphany of fuck, I need to get sober um, or I'm going to die, right? So I got sober. And in getting sober, um, you know, I learned the whole 12 step program ideal. I just needed to get sober. There was like no drug, uh, court intervention. There was no like family or friend intervention. I just knew I needed to change because I saw like I saw where shit was going. I was like, "Fuck, I need to change this." So I I started going to uh, AA, and again, like I was a booze hound, but mainly my shit was coke. But I started going to AA, and in tackling the the food issues, or I'm sorry, the drug issues, my food issues just ramped up. Like I think I think like I I I was at the the heaviest I got into sobriety, I jumped back up to about 380, 390. Like I was pushing around 400 pounds again. And uh, I 
I knew, and I would talk with, you know, people in the program and I'd be like, I can't fucking stop eating. And they're like, don't worry, man, just don't use drugs. And, and to a certain point, that's true, but you're using food as a drug. It's the same thing. And, uh, then January 1st, I was, I, I, I started, I started noticing that the same obsession and uncontrollability I had towards drugs, I had towards food. And I'd always known this, but now it was a little bit more clear, right? It was a little bit more, I was like, Hmm, the doors, the doors kind of open right now, right? Doors kind of open. So now fast forward to like January 4th or 6th or something. I went to a comedy show. This is a great story that I, I, I love to tell to a couple of my friends and I love telling it to the girl too. Um, so I go to a comedy show and I see this girl there and she's really cute. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go try to talk to this girl. And she's a comedian. I'm a comedian, right? While she's on stage, she's talking about being in recovery. I go up to her, we're talking and I'm like, Oh, I'm in recovery. I just started doing uh, AA. And then she's like, Oh, I don't do that. And I'm like, Oh, what do you do? She tells me she's an OA. And immediately in like a fucking instant, like in a, in that split second, my focus went from, uh, trying to, uh, court this woman into me just like almost crying. Like, can you please help me? I have food problems. <laughs> like just fucking breaking down to this lady in someone's backyard while there's a comedy show going on. Right. Cause like, in that moment, I realized like, oh, like the drug issues are kind of related to anyway. So the next day she brings me to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, uh, which I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying the names of these programs, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'm not trying to promote anything. I'm just letting you know my story. Um, uh, I don't, I don't mind. I, you know, I, okay, I, I cool. think, it, no, no, no. I, I think it's, I, 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 well, I think it's good too, that, you know, I, I actually went at one point myself. So, you know, it's good to hear someone, you know, what their experience is. Cool. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I, I know in the programs they say it's like about uh, uh, attraction, not promotion, but I ain't trying to promote shit. I'm just letting you know my fucking life. But so the next day, she brings me to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting at this church. And I'd been to like three Overeaters Anonymous meetings before then, and they were all the same thing. I went into a little room, and there were these very tiny old ladies who were talking about how they couldn't control having an extra spoonful of sugar in their fucking coffee. And I was like, that's not my problem. My problem is way bigger. And, you know, I, I get that people have their own issues, but I just never related. Dude, she took me to this meeting and there was like 150 people there of all different sizes. And I just heard everyone talking and I was fucking blown away at like that there was a, a possibility of hope and everything they talked about, it fucking hit, it hit me in my chest. I was like, this is it. This is the fucking thing. And then after that meeting, I got invited to a, uh, a men's fellowship breakfast meeting that happens every Sunday. And I met guys that like it's this, this fellowship is specifically for dudes who have uh, needed to, or have lost over a hundred pounds and buddy, that's been the change. Like that has been the answer to like, I, I do this weight loss Instagram still. Um, and it almost feels like I'm fucking cheating. Right. Because like, it's like, I'm not dieting. I'm not dieting. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not starving myself. I eat, good meals every fucking day. But it's that I'm not overeating. I'm not binging. I'm not like, you know, sitting there with a fucking carton of fucking ice cream and donuts and fucking, you know, Taco Bell going insane. Um, so anyway, like I, I started working that program of like, just kind of giving shit up. Like when I'm stressed or whatever, like, like I'm not a God guy. I, I, I don't believe in like a fucking big white guy in the sky or whatever. Um, but like, you know, I, I look at things and I'm like, well, that's a bigger thing than I am. You know, that's like more powerful than me. And man, that's been the fucking change, dude. And in the last 
in the last month or not month, the last five months, I've dropped a hundred pounds, which has been like the biggest number one. I'm at the lowest I've ever been as an adult, uh, since a teenager, lowest I've been as a teenager. And it's been easy. <laughs> it's been fucking easy, dude. I haven't had like, I, I haven't been sitting there arguing with the food, uh, which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like sitting there just obsessing over it. There's none of that shit. Um, it's been fucking life changing, dude. And I owe it all to just really doing what I'm doing with you right now, man. Just talking shit out with people. That's what I, I mean, that's my biggest tool. Like when I want to like fucking eat, uh, you know, 80 fucking McDonald's cheeseburgers, I call someone and just talk. And it's been right. fucking helpful. And I think like something that, that kind of like big picture with your story is like, I think there's a lot of people that look like, look at the phrase like food sober and they immediately in their head are like food issues are not at all like alcohol and drug issues. You know, my, you know, I just like to eat, you know, it's not at all. I'm not an addict. You know, I don't, you know, that's not what I'm doing. You know, I'm not out of control, like whatever words they want to ascribe to it. But I, I think like there's something really powerful about having to take that perspective and having to be able to look at your food behavior from that same perspective, you know, like, and, you know, I never, you know, I've never had a problem with, with drugs. Like, that's not something that's, that's ever been there. Like alcoholism runs rampant in my family. Drug use runs rampant in my family. Like, and I think, you know, I just got the, 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 the branch of, of the addiction gene, you know, that runs into food. And I, I just think, you know, if people could try to think like because you also you know you were saying like you see people who are working on their journeys and they're not talking about the the food issues and i think it scares people to talk about it because they don't know what to do you know they they and it, it, it is and it is a big part you know a big part of like a way you know having you know I, I went for a while like i had my own issues with higher power and you know rebelling and i you know put all the way back on and all that stuff like but i think you know i wasn't really willing to kind of work the program like but I think there's something that this idea about admitting there's moments where you're powerless over over things. And that scares people because as long as they keep thinking they're choosing, you know, that, okay, yeah, I'm fat, but hey, you know, it's not something that, you know, is out of my control, you know, or because that idea of powerless scares, powerlessness scares people, like having to give that up scares people. And, you know, Absolutely. we let fear. It's petrifying. We let fear dictate things and don't realize that sometimes by admitting that you're powerless to something, you know, over something, you almost find more, you end up finding more control and more power in the end. Like there's, you know, it's almost like you have to give into something, you know, give into a perspective to find your way through it. And I just think it's, it's, you know, there's something really powerful to your story, knowing that you not only tackled one addiction, but another at the same time, you know, eventually at the same time and, and are still working that. And I think it's good to, to tell people, you know, this is how many months in I am. Like it is a, a journey. It's still a journey. It's not, you know, you, you, you walk, you walk in one day, walk out and never have to go again or never have to talk about nope. it again. It's a, it's a constant thing. And I think it's important that I tackled both. Like I, I when I got into AA, I would uh, like one of the first things I said was that like I also have food issues. Like I I I knew at that point I had it, but like I like like I had said I was like I also have food issues. And one thing that everyone said in those meetings and God bless them for it was don't worry about that. 
go eat food, like have like do whatever you got to do. Like just don't use. And I think for the majority of people, and I'm not trying to say that I'm special and different, but I think for the majority of addicts, drug addicts, that's good advice, right? Because fuck it, go have cake, who cares? But for me, that was fucking terrible advice. <laughs> that was that was awful. That was awful advice. Like, don't tell me that. And I knew that, right? But I would like kind of like go into it. It wasn't, and I'll tell you this, man, it wasn't until I started tackling the food issues that the drug issues became a lot easier to fucking deal with. It's like I was sober for three months before I got into OA. And it was like white knuckling it. You know, like I was like like I was, you know, pissed off all the time. I was upset. I was angry. And, and you know, I had like these moments like, wow, I feel really good. I feel great. But it mainly sucked, you know, altogether. Um, and it wasn't until I started tackling both issues, which a lot of people are against. And who knows where I'm gonna end up in the future. All I have is today and all that dumb bullshit. Um, but it wasn't until I started tackling both that things, answers started appearing to me. And by appearing to me, I mean just plain and simple, you know, as you said, working the program, you know, just working a program. And I love what you said about giving up power means you get control. It's cliche. It's a very lame thing to say, I think, but it's right. It's fuck nail on the head again, man. If, if you give up control, that's one less thing you have to worry about. Like it's one less thing you got to fucking like have the conversation about and worry and all that. And then you find power in other things and you find power. There's a lot of power in just saying, hey, I'm done. I'm washing my hands of this. There's, I can't do anything at all with this anymore. Well, I mean, and let's also be realistic. Like you're not two separate people. You know, you're not Chris, the drug addict, and Chris, mm. you know, the overeater. You're Chris. You know, those That's... issues are those issues all exist inside of one person. So really like as much as, you know, and especially like when you look at like, you know, AA and OA, like our separate programs, like the issues that are, that are leading to the addictions are all coming from the same place, from the same person. Like, so I think it makes sense to me, like that you reach this point where, you know, and, 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 and I understand, like you're saying, like when, when, especially like when you're dealing with someone, you know, with a, an addiction to hard drugs, and they say, well, I also have issues with food. And they're like, well, eat food because food isn't going <laughs> to kill you today, you know. But then exactly. as, as, as a 500 pound food addict, it's like, well, I don't know, you know, <laughs> it I've, might not be I've, today, but it's I've be had some, you know, like I've had some I've had some pretty rough nights after McDonald's. Like, you know, something's yeah. happening, you know, like, <laughs> you know, if you can if you could OD on cheeseburgers, you know, I got damn close, like. Buddy, buddy, it's it's like, but it's like triage, but it's like triage, like in their eyes, like, you know, you see there's two wounds on a person and one of the wounds is gushing blood and one of the, one of the wounds is a trickle. You deal with the gush before you deal with the trickle, like in terms of perspective. And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the other things that I like, I feel like at a lot of times, like I shout to people is that like food addiction and food compulsion and, you know, overeating and those issues can be you know is the same form of deadly like it's it's just as deadly it's not going it might not happen from an overdose it might not happen from the same thing but like if i i sit down and i watch a documentary about you know the things that drug addicts do you know like an episode of a show on you know the bbc or tlc you know they they like to cover all that stuff where you know drug addicts talk about the things they used to do to, to hide their addiction and to feed their addictions steal from people lie I did all of it. 
you know, every and, single bit, every of it, single right? thing. Like I remember mm-hmm. taking money from my mother's purse to go buy candy. Like, you know, like there was things we would do, you know, to enable that behavior. And it's just as insidious. And until you're willing to kind of admit that it's just as insidious, it's like, you can't just slap a bandaid on it. Like, and that's why, that's one of the things I run into when I talk, when people come to me and they want to talk about, and I don't even mean to be talking so much this whole time, but no, when, no, dude, when, you're fine. This is interesting for me. When someone, when someone who's like, you know, in that 500 pound, 500 pound plus range comes to me and says, tell me exactly what to eat to lose weight. My immediate response, I want to say is you're not going to lose weight because you're, lo- you're, you're looking for someone to hand you a magic formula and you're not looking to do any of the work yourself. You're not willing to do any of the investigation, the introspection, the reflection, you know, the research, like you need to be willing to claw your way out. Like, even though you need help, like, I mean, let's be realistic. You know, I, I've, I've started working as a coach for people. So yes, I firmly believe that help can be a great thing, but I think you have to be willing to see that it's going to take actual work and that it can't just be, you know, hand me like, that's why, like, I used to love uh, Richard Simmons deal a meal when I was, when I was younger, because that diet was okay. Today I'm going to eat four yellow cards, five green cards, three blue cards, and you know, four red. I can't honestly remember what it was. It was so long ago. I'm that old, but all you had to do was flip the card over and on the back of it was what the foods were you could eat and then you would eat it and move it over. And like, but was I really learning anything or actually like taking the lessons that the program intended for me to get? Like every, every person who puts together, you know, I, well, maybe not everyone, there's still people selling diet pills and crap like that. But, you know, I think like, like, (laughs) I think like, like, like Weight Watchers, the people behind Weight Watchers have a good heart at the end of the day. Like, Yes, are they marketing and making money? Yes, you know, we could argue stuff like that. But every 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 weight loss program is trying to make money at the end of the day. But if you actually follow the instructions of things, like, and actually learn the way they want you to learn, like, maybe you would be able to develop and kind of get through an issue. But we don't want that. We want the easy answer. We want it handed to us, you know, so that we can just slap it on and, and keep moving. Well, I, I, I think 100% you're right is that we want the easy answer because we don't want – because like number one, like there is a part of me that feels like I should be able to do this shit on my own with no type of help. Like there's got to be an easy way out of this. Everyone else is walking around looking like a normal person. Why am I not? But I think the problem with things like Weight Watchers or Deal Meal and all that shit, the main thing is that it's – the focus is still on food. Right. The main focus is your food is what's wrong. The food is the bad thing. We need to fix that. Food isn't your issue. You are your issue. I am my fucking issue. I deal with my issue by eating food and binging and all that shit. And that's the fuck, in my opinion, that's the problem. And that's why things like diets don't work is because the focus is mainly now on the food. Whereas now my focus is not on the food. My focus is like the second I get off the phone with you, I am going to start making my 12 hour sauce, my oily fucking tomato sauce. That's what I do. Right. But like, that is not what my higher power or like what I'm getting my satisfaction. out of. I'm going to get my satisfaction out of chopping the onions, chopping up the garlic. Um, you know, like, like making sure that like the, the crock pot is like set up correctly and all this dumb shit like this little ritual that I have, right? And then I'm going to work out and then I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do all these things that get me outside of myself. But I'm not focused on, like I'm not obsessing over food. You know, I'm not worried about 
the diet plan because that's not what this is and that's not what your life should or can be about because you're just going to keep going back to that fucking food and man i can't stress it enough that it's it's literally to me and i hope i'm not hammering the point home it's insane to me to see some of these weight loss things on on instagram where people are just hyper focused on working out and you see and like they're they're pushing four or five hundred pounds and they're not losing a goddamn pound because you know that like once they're not on instagram they're fucking binging or they're just eating dog shit you know and yeah uh, it's rough man it's fucking rough to watch that well, and there's also like, you know, not to, you know, we're, we've been kind of been talking like deep issues on all these things. There's also just a physical reason. Like you can't burn enough calories. Like you, like to that's lose true. that yeah. much weight. Like you just to work out enough. Like I look at people, you know, and like, because then you look at people that like are posting pictures of, of, you know, Fitbits and watches and all that jazz that are like, I burned 2,700 calories during that workout. And then there's 75 people that are like, there's no way you burned that much, that many calories during that time. That's not, that's not accurate. You know, like those things are just not accurate. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, and that's really like when someone, and also when someone talks to me about like, you know, do I, you know, I, I need to lose 300 pounds. What workout do I start with? And I'm like, well, let's be realistic. Like you need to lose 300 pounds it might not be safe for you to work out. So like, let's, let's get, what can you do? Like, you know, I don't, I don't role model the fact that I, you know, I was 540 pounds and hadn't been to a doctor in 30 years. Like that's not good. Like you want to make sure that like you can actually handle because the last thing I'd want to do is encourage someone who could literally, you know, stroke out to go into the gym. Like you're in, you're in a danger zone you know, and you might not realize it. So let's, you know, let's take a, a perspective moment and look at where you're at and realize what's going on. And, and I think like, and for me, like my perspective, like, I think you're right. Like, I think the food, like, I, I think we differ a little bit, obviously in our perspectives, you know, because I, I think there's that the food itself is, is not always the issue for a person. But I think there's there's some hormonal effect and, and some other issues that come up with the, the types of food that people eat. And like we were, when you were talking about McDonald's being delicious, like it that food is programmed to be hyper palatable. It's programmed. Absolutely. To, oh, it's yeah. It's so, scientifically done. Right. Like they're sitting it, there in a lab. Right. So for me, though, it's so like I feel like my perspective on it is like perfect storm. Like it's not either mm, or, which is what okay. people always want it to be like people always want it to be. It's the, you know, it's the food dummy or it's your head dummy. Like, and I feel like, well, why, you know, I'm that, I'm the child in the, the, the taco commercial being held above everyone. Like, why not both? Um, <laughs> like, is it, you know, like, let's look at this from a bigger picture perspective and realize that, you know, there's going to be, you know, you, you may be someone. And, and I also, and again, at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't need to expound on my philosophy. I've done it before. But what I, the, re, the point I bring it up for is. I think there isn't one answer and what you have to be okay with as a, as an individual person who's, who's struggling with, you know, with food issues and weight issues is that the answer that works for the person standing next to you might not be the answer that works for you. Mm, that's true. A hundred percent. And you need to be able to keep looking and working and, and not give up and not, because I think that's the other propensity. Like I remember like when I went to OA and I stopped, my immediate, you know, and I put all the weight right back on, you know, any weight I had lost back on. 
my what was what was my immediate like mentality about that? Well, OA failed me. You know, when I went off Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers failed me. When I went off X, Paleo, Paleo failed me. Because it was so much easier to say those things failed me instead of maybe I didn't really do, you know, find the right work I needed to do to get myself where I needed to be. Like, maybe I have to admit that I failed. And we don't ever want to do that. Like, God forbid I say, you know, I, I made a mistake. You know, like, I can't take responsibility. You know, I think that's a, you know, a, a thing that a lot of people deal with, you know, as human beings. And can I say you know enough right now? Really? I think I just said it 40 times in that sentence. But I, it's that idea of taking responsibility for yourself. And taking responsibility for yourself doesn't always mean that you're saying you're 100% in control of the situation. But it means at the very least you say, okay, like I, I do have some agency here. You know, and whether that agency is to choose to be a part, you know, of a 12-step program or to choose to be a part of another program or to see a counselor or to see a psychiatrist, whatever you need to do, don't hit a wall and decide that, well, I just, I'm just meant to be 500 pounds. Because that's, that I think is the thing, because I'm not, I'm not preaching to the people that are, are 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds overweight, and it just comes from like lifestyle issues and it was never a conscious food addiction or anything along those lines. Like I'm speaking to the people that are sitting out there listening that have 200, 300, 400 pounds to lose. That is not your body's natural state. You may have conditioned your body to want to stay that way. You know, our bodies, you know, our set points and all that jazz and our, you know, our heads want to stay that way because you get something out of it. You know, you get the, you get it. You're getting a hit out of that. Like, but that's not how the human body is meant to exist at the end of the day. And if you want to change, there's possibility to do that. And, and you just have to find what's going to work for you. Hell yeah. And uh, just to clarify. I certainly hope I wasn't trying to say that my answer is the answer for everyone. I know that my answer is just, that's just the way it worked for me. You know, like I know that my issue is like getting in my head and like obsessing over shit and becoming like that guy who's like sitting there at the, at the drive through for Taco Bell and then going, all right, the Jack in the box is right up the street. So I can also hit that on my way home. You know what I'm saying? And I think you hit the nail on the head of it, which by the way, I think we've both said that a million times. Uh, but I think you hit it a hundred percent correctly is that whatever works for the guy sitting next to you is not going to work for you and vice versa. You need to, you need to find whatever it is that is going to work for you. Like, you know, you have amazing fucking results with keto, whereas keto, all it did was make me just have awful digestion problems just fucking terrible. You know what I mean? Like just fucking terrible. Um, and it, you know, would never shit on anyone who's doing that. Um, I think everyone, I, I think you said it before too, is that like people aren't willing to fucking do the, the heavy work of like figuring out what is going to be your answer. What is going to be good? What is going to make it work for you? And when someone asks you, yeah, like, Oh, like what should I eat? It's like, motherfucker, this isn't going to help you. Like, like you're not going right. to, this isn't going to last. Well or like when someone asked me the question, like, what are your macros? And it's like, Why, buddy, like my macros, do you count I, macros I, by the way? I do. I do. Okay. Yeah, I count, I count macros and calories. Um, I do right count now. calories, calories. Yeah. I do. And macros, I kind of do as like a, as a, um, uh, it, it, I just happen to count them. Like I just know them because of my, 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 uh, calorie tracker. But, uh, yeah, that is a funny question to get. What are your macros? It's like, motherfucker, well, that's it, not it, the, and it's, 
Well, when it's a 480 pound guy asking me, I'm like, I'm over 250 pounds lighter than you. You shouldn't be eating what I'm eating. <laughs> no, not your at body. All. Your body needs different fuel. Like, and that's and, and like and I don't think you were saying like your way was the only way. Like, but I, I think there's something powerful, you know, for you to be able to express, though, you know, what you've been able to find by following the path that you, you have been on, man. Like, I, I think that freedom is something that should be celebrated because that that's really kind of incredible to know that you've been able to go from the place you were in, like knowing where you were, you know, thinking about that helium tank, you know, you know, your dark story, like knowing where you are now, I, I think is, is shows the power of, of being able to do the work and, and see ch real change happen. So I think that that's pretty awesome, man. Fuck yeah, man. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. Definitely. So, Chris, we, you know, we, we've kind of gone through some of the twists and turns of your stories. Like, so what's next for you? Fuck, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, for, uh, pretty much like I, uh, I, I take the model of a one day at a time very seriously. Um, in, in my, uh, future plans though, like what I have planned is, uh, so I do comedy, which is, uh, pretty much, I mean, comedy was dead before, but now with the whole COVID situation, uh, comedy is just, you know, destroyed. Uh, you know, that's, that is, a uh, no longer a worry of anyone's, I guess, until we're allowed to open shit back up. Um, but, uh, man, one day at a time of just my, my whole thing is I'm trying to get down. I'm trying to selfishly get down to about 190, uh, just so I can say that I was at 190 and you could see my abs. Uh, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's like my, uh, my, my selfish, uh, goal. But mainly I'm just trying to, you know, get down to a healthy body weight of, uh, I think that's like between 190 and 220, depending on my frame, which I'm a big frame guy. I probably could have crushed in football if I was a sports guy. Um, but, uh, so that's, you know, weight wise, that's pretty much where I'm, uh, on target for. And, uh, th th that's like what's next for me. Uh, next is just keep going with, uh, these obnoxious, dumb 12 step programs that actually help surprisingly. Um, I, uh, I recently decided to, uh, go back to school, uh, and, uh, start pursuing a degree in psychology. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's my, that's like my, you know, next, uh, who knows where that'll take me, but that's like my next thing. Um, and, uh, th man, that's pretty much all I got for what's next. My, I mean, next is honestly, it, it, as corny as it sounds, man, next is just to not fucking get back to that, that space. Like, you know how it is. Like, I saw your pictures where you went from, you know, 540 and you were, you were a svelte motherfucker. And then you jumped right back up to about 500 pounds. And it, it's scary how quickly that happens. It's, it's not just scary, but it's also like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, how the fuck is this happening? And man, that, that fear just keeps me on fucking track. Um, and yeah, so, so pretty much, man, what's next for me is to just keep fucking going, uh, keep writing the most obnoxious, uh, captions for the pictures that I post on Instagram as much as possible. And, uh, just, just stay in a fucking healthy mindset, dude, which, which as of right now is it, it I, I don't know how you've been dealing with the whole COVID thing and like the pandemic and like now with, you know, everything going on with the fucking protests it, and like i'm not sure if they're doing it in rhode island but there's been curfews like every night out oh yeah way. no we, we have curfews going on here yeah i mean it's it's hard to keep a positive mental aspect when the world is burning you oh know? yeah and i mean and, and it's 
and it's one of those things where I think, especially, you know, sometimes as bigger people, we get, we build up a lot of codependencies. So mm -hmm. absolutely. When you, when you see not just, you know, the fear of, of COVID, but now you see like the whole world, you know, you're seeing people's pain really coming to the surface in a lot of ways, you know, in, in ways that people don't even know how to express properly. Like, you know, yeah. some do, you know, and all of that, like, so I think it's easy to kind of fall back into that place, but like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a wild, it's, it's a wild time. And like, I've, I've said to some people like, but think about it. Like you, you can survive all of this happening, you know, Oh, having to make the right choices at a food, at a, at a work function is never going to be a challenge again. Like that's, buddy, you know, yes, you're gaining that experience, right? Like you're, right. you're, you're, you're gaining it. Like if you don't overeat or if you don't binge or get off your track during a fucking pandemic and a curfew set because of protests and riots, it, then not eating the fucking cake at the wedding is going to be real fucking easy. Exactly. It's going like, like to be a perspective. Yep. A hundred percent. I'm glad you said that, man. That's a good fucking point. And it's, yeah. And I mean, and it's not to belittle how anyone's feeling and like what people are doing to take care of. No, not at all. Like, you know, at all. But it is like, I think that's one of the big lessons in, in all of this, like, especially like, you know, the, with the changes thrown out us in lockdown, like today was the second day I'm able to go back to the gym and it's fantastic. For I me. saw like, that. I saw that mentally, yesterday from like, you. I'm so jealous of you. Yeah, Our gyms are like, not going to be open until oh, August. Yeah. I'm so, oh my God. Oh, yeah. I'm so fucking and, jealous. And it's weird and you have to answer questions before you go in and then everything's taped off and it's cuz it's Planet Fitness there's they've tried to make it quote unquote fun. So they're calling <laughs> it they're calling it social fitnessing is Oh my fucking They've got these God. nice laminate they've got these nice <laughs> laminated signs that say this machine can't be used because we're encouraging social fitnessing and I'm like, "Oh, not everything has to be a catchphrase." Uh, that's that I that sounds like so weirdly utopian too. Oh, like, it is so it's... weirdly like in the future oh, yeah. of like, oh, this is what's happening now. Yeah, that's it's, oh my god. Yeah, it's really kind of it, it's kind of hilarious. Like, and you can see the staff is just like, this is what we have to do. Just answer the <laughs> Just upset like fuck. Just and you know just what, man? I wanna I wanna bring up something that you just said, and I don't know if this is like uh uh, too much, but what you just said in regards to, oh my God, what was it? I just had a blank. Um, oh, uh, not wanting to shit on anyone who's doing whatever they have to, to like, you know, cope and like deal with all this shit. Right. I, I agree with that, but I, I, I see people on, you know, I'm sure you've seen the post where people are like, don't shit on anyone who's gaining weight during the pandemic. Okay, fine. Fair enough. No, no one should be shitting on anyone, right? Like, you know, no one should be shaming anyone. I'm not any for that, except shame me. I deserve shame. You can shame me as much as you want. But anyone else, you don't. But at what point, do you, like, are you going to tell that to a drug addict who's smoking crack during the pandemic? Like, like, are you going to tell that to the alcoholic who's, like, dying? But, like, oh, well, it's a pandemic. Don't worry. Like, don't, don't do it. Like when I see those posts, man, like I get pissed. Like I don't really comment on it because I think that arguing on the internet is like, you know, there's no fucking point, but like, at what point do we go? No, this is the same. You're pushing the same agenda that it's just like me telling the fucking heroin addict on the street. Hey, you know what? There's a pandemic going on. You should shoot dope. That's totally cool, bro. Like at what, at what point is it different? And that's what, and I, that's what I think the difference is. Like, I think there's a difference when I say that, what I mean is I'm not, I'm not posting 
you're a bad person if you're doing this. But I'm, mm, I'm okay. also what I think the problem is, is the people that are posting. It's OK if you're doing this. It's OK. You know, that, yep, I, that I, is a big I difference. I think because I think for me at the end of the day, like one of the biggest lessons that's come for me and like this is, you know, because I, I talk about it a lot. But, you know, stoicism is a big thing for me. Like I control myself. I control what I put out into the world and how I react to the world, but I don't control the world and I don't control anyone else. And what other people do is not something I can control, but it is something I can't, I can control how I contribute to it and I can control how I react. And if I see someone that's struggling, I can reach out to that person who's struggling. And so making a post that says, I'm seeing y'all eat Cheetos and you need to stop eating the Cheetos is different than than I think direct messaging someone who I see eating Cheetos and saying, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, what's going on for you? Like, I think for me, like, there's just, because like, you're right, like, especially at the beginning of all of this, there was a ton of fitness influencers, like not even mostly on Instagram, but like more like YouTube people and things along those lines, who put out these videos that were like, don't worry about, you know, stop your diets while you're you're in quarantine. You know, I saw those too. Eat eat the comfort food. Don't do home workouts. Home workouts, you know, and then you start to see people talking about home workouts or fat shaming. And it's like, oh <laughs> my goodness, the mental gymnastics to make that point is just ridiculous. But like what it all comes down to, and I said this to someone the other day, like, and this is what I think it comes down to with these crises that we're in on all levels. Like there's always going to be a crisis because for us as, as food addicts and readers and, and whatever we are, we always turn our excuses into crisis level events. So they enable the behavior, whatever yep. their actual, Absolutely. What, whatever the actual reality of it is. Cause it could be you're in COVID lockdown and your job is gone and your, your home is gone and you have no money. Or it could be, I stubbed my toe and now I need cheesecake. Like, you can, yep. you know, we can justify anything, anything. And I think that is the, the bigger lesson. Like, don't justify your behavior because of the circumstances you're in. If you're going to make the choice to overeat or make the choice to, like, have a, a quote unquote cheat meal, whatever language you want to use for yourself. Make that choice. Do it. Own the fact that that's what you're doing. But don't try to tell me that you're doing it because that's how you're taking care of yourself. Because yep. do if not we make have, it that. If we have never taken care of ourselves with food, now all of a sudden it's okay because there's a disease. I don't think that doesn't add up to me. Like, you know, if if the McDonald's drive-thru was never a place where I actually found real comfort, you know, actual comfort, it wasn't just about a dopamine hit. Why now is it a place of real comfort? You know, why now is it okay? It's not. But we don't want to, you know, but then it just goes back to that whole culture of not wanting to offend people and not wanting to step on toes and, you know, cancel culture and all of those things that go back to becoming just this way that we enable behavior. And, like, I think your perspective is right. Like, I think the perspective people need to have is, like, that person who was killing themselves with food is doing the same thing as the person that's killing themselves with a needle. Like, don't encourage that behavior like if you may not be able to control that person's behavior but don't be a part of enabling that behavior and saying you know you go girl or you go guy like 100 percent exactly do not like look don't if you don't want to shame them fine and like i'm not about shaming and all that but i'm not going to enable it and i'm not going to sit here and uh pretend 
that any of that is okay. And I think, yeah, you, you said it best, man. Like that same mindset of like finding comfort and a dopamine hit in a fucking McDonald's drive through. If it wasn't right, you know, on February 1st, it shouldn't be right April 15th. You know, it shouldn't be acceptable. It's not the same shit. In fact, it should be worse if you're doing it on April 15th because clearly you're doing it because there's an outside issue that you're not willing to deal with, you know, and that's, that's just addiction. That's just the, that's the textbook definition. Exactly. And that's not to say that any of it's easy. No, it's not to say that any, it's not like, that's the thing is like, you know, I, I've, I've said it a, a million times, you know, losing weight is simple, but not easy because the mechanics of it really at the end of the day are simple, you know, but how you implement those mechanics and what it takes for you to do it and the other issues you need to deal with and like your relationship with food and with how your relationships with people affect your relationship with food. Like all of that is complex and not easy. It's hard. And how your relationship with food affects your relationship with people. Like oh, it's for sure. it, like, I, I mean, I, when, when I was working, uh, in, in the office for the, the, the uh, job that I currently have, uh, I, I was sitting next to a lady and she had told me that she was in, you know, a 12 step program. And, uh, I told her that I was in the same one she was in. And then I told her I was in OA and I told her, I was like, Hey, look, you know, I, I, I just got two months of, you know, clean eating. I'm really, really happy. Like I'm proud of myself. And she, uh, she's a, she's a bigger woman. And I guess she took that as me trying to like tell her about herself or whatever. She got so fucking offended. She got so offended, but she was just like, oh, well, that's not the same thing. That's not an addiction. And I was like, it absolutely is. And then we started like getting into this like little argument. And then later on in the day, she offered me food and I was like, nah, I'm good. I already have. She's like, you can eat this. This is fine. And it's like, like I knew what she was doing, right? Like I, I completely got that, and I didn't get upset or anything. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. I totally got upset, but I just you know, I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, no, 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 no. I got fucking pissed, but I didn't feed into it. But the it, that little thing of me, like just expressing, like it, not just me trying to be better, because I'm sure she's not like an evil person where she doesn't want people to be better. But it, she could not help but see that, or maybe feel that um, it 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 almost felt like a direct act uh act of aggression on her because she's doing a certain thing you know and like me denying food from her was a problem and like an issue and it, it that goes back into like you know being at the work function and not not eating that food you know people people question when you don't eat a certain thing people are like oh why don't you why aren't you eating that why won't you eat that and it's you know it, Either you're going to be like, that's how I deal with shit. Like, I'm just completely honest and upfront. There's no fucking bullshit. Or if you're like, not there's anything wrong with like not being totally open, but trying to like hide or explain some shit that you're going through or like that you don't want to deal with. It, it, it's fucking hard when people start asking you questions, you know, and that'll affect the way you're dealing with them. So, Chris, we have gone to a lot of different places in your journey today and you know and i really appreciate you being willing to kind of dive into you know both of of your addictions and challenges that you face and kind of coming through that and 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 how you're feeling now i think is a great perspective for people but is there anything about what you've been through or your journey that you haven't had a chance to talk about yet today that you wanted us to discuss i think recently something that Something that you mentioned before and that I've been kind of uh, accepting 
more and more recent. I'm trying. I would say it's the fat guy mentality. I think we talked about it before we started talking, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I've been noticing more and more. Uh, one of my biggest things that I, I, I love being at a weight that's, I mean, I'm not exactly at the healthiest weight, but definitely at my, my healthiest weight right now. One of the things that I love about it is that I'm viewed as a normal person, like just a regular, normal fucking guy. But inside my mind, I'm still a fat guy. Like I'm still, I still have this like fat guy mentality, this fat guy approach to things. And that goes to everything, right? It goes to uh, how I handle confrontation. It goes to how I handle women. It goes to how I handle like any type of, you know, romance or, you know, interpersonal relationship. Um, and I think that what I do want to say is that like, it's not just the fat guy mentality that still lives inside my mind, but it's also that body image. There are days when I like yesterday I was walking to the laundromat and number one, I've never walked to a laundromat with a bag of clothes before, but yesterday I did it and it was easy and I didn't even break a fucking sweat. It was awesome. But I caught an image of myself in, in a, like a window and even at like almost 300 pounds I've dropped almost I'm close. I still look at myself in that window and go, oh, you got to lose weight, man. And like, I think that's an important thing to remember that no matter what, no matter how far we go, no matter how great we're going to get, we're still going to like, this is kind of like on the opposite of what we're talking about. We're like, hey, you know, you got to accept life. You know, you got to like accept change. You got to like try to get better. But no matter how much you change, you're still going to look at yourself and see fucking bad issues that you want to change. And it, I guess what you need to, what, what I need to do is remember the things that I can change and that I can't change. And, and I think that trying to hyper focus or hyper control certain shit will, will make this whole journey much harder. Um, and yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to touch on that. Kind of wanted to touch on like how even the, even though things are going good, there are still going to be things in my mind where I, where I'm like, oh, this is, this is awful. This is like, you know, unfixable or even maybe it is unfixable, but I'm still looking at it and I'm obsessing over it. No, and I think that's an excellent point because I, one of the things that resonates a little bit with what you were saying at the beginning though, is like, I think the important lesson is not to just realize that you're still going to have those struggles and still see yourself that way and have those issues. It's that that's normal. Like that's something mm. a lot of, that's something more people deal with than people talk about. And it's not, and, and is it hyper specialized because we were super morbidly obese? Yes. But is it something that people who don't struggle with actual weight issues struggle with? You know, to some extent, I think it is. Like, I think as human beings, we're hypercritical of ourselves and we find those things that are our easy targets, you know, and our, our, our challenges and our weaknesses and, you know, the, the, the cracks in the armor and, you know, like you said, like though being willing to say, yes, I, I'm, I'm in that headspace right now. And what can I control about it? You know, what can I actually do? You know, can I, is breaking the mirror is throwing this laundry bag through the mirror, you know, through the glass window going to help anything like, you know, make the image go away is making that image go away. Going to change anything. It's not, you know, like there's what is actually going to affect change there? Like what, like, and I know for me, like, that's when I think about, like you were saying, like, what are all the things I can do now? Like in that moment, like my head immediately would want to go to, I may, you know, yes, I just looked in the, that window and I thought I need to lose weight, but I'm walking to the laundry mat with my laundry. 
and I'm not dying. You know, yeah. I'm actually I'm, doing I'm this. I'm not like, hating myself. Right. Like I'm, and I don't like, and I, and I think what it, what still happens too is like you have echoes of the old view that come into play. Like I, I know for me, it comes out when I'm in stores with tight aisles and I immediately start mm. to think that I'm not going to be able to fit down the aisle. Like I'm not going to be able to get through a space. I'm not going to fit in a chair. Like all of those and things. And then you have to like move aside. Right. You know, like, 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 you know, like hugging up against the wall. So you're not in anyone's way. Right. And, and then they're also like, I'll be honest with you on the flip side, there's also something that's really weird for me to not be immediately recognized when I walk in a crowd. Buddy, same, same going, going into a crowd and not having everyone just immediately stare at you and like, look at you and point you out. For sure. Exactly. Like, and also like not, I mean, and this is, maybe this is the part of me that's sick and twisted, but like, there was a part of me that really loved that attention, like loved the spectacle of it. Of like, and so now when I walk into space and I realize the people I'm meeting don't even know I'm there, you know, or I don't even know I'm there. Like I, I told the story before, but I went to an event last year and they sent the pic- the professional pictures around to everyone. And I, I mentioned to a friend, I was upset that I wasn't in any of the pictures. And he's like, you're in like a dozen of them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I had to go back and, and scroll, comb through the pictures. And I realized I wasn't recognizing myself in the pictures. Like, I think wow. there's just, you know, there's those times where like, you know, you realize that you start to find that quote unquote, you know, normality and you don't expect it and you don't even know how to handle it sometimes. And I, I know, and I said this, I think I was recording with someone the other day and we were talking about, you know, wanting to be normal. And I was like, there's going to be people that are going to get mad at the word normal, you know, because they either fall into the camp of, you know, well, what, what am I, a monster? And it's like, no, that's not what this means. Like, it's talking about, like, normalized behavior and, like, what is, you know, the projected normal behavior of a person in a situation. Like, the person who can open a box of pizza and eat one piece of pizza and move on with their yeah. day and not spend and hey- the rest of the day focused on where'd the rest of that pizza go and who's going to take that pizza home? And am I going to get to be able to get more of that pizza? Like that's a very different, you know, those are two very, that's not a normal mindset. Like, you know, yes. And then, then, you know, you'll have your foodie friends, you know, that don't have weight issues that are like, well, I would obsess about that pizza. I'm like, well, we're not talking about individual cases here. We're talking about generalization. Yeah, like this is a different obsession. This is, and, and maybe it's not, but you know, it's definitely having a different effect on people like you and me than it is to someone like that. And, and you know what, man? Like, I, I want to say what you said about the monster thing. Look, I'm not saying that fat people are monsters, but buddy, if it, I would be lying if I said that I didn't view myself as that at my heaviest, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't view myself as that now. And like, you know, I don't give a shit if it, it, I'm, I'm not an edgy fucking guy. I don't give a shit if I'm offending anybody by saying that because this is my personal experience. My experience is like at my heaviest and even now when I think or look at myself, some days I look at myself and I'm like, damn, I look fucking amazing. This is great. And there's other days where I'm like, I'm a fucking monster. Like I use that word all the time, monster. Like, cause that's what you feel like, man. Like it, 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 it's very, uh, it's very nice to go into a store and then not have kids fucking stare or cry when they fucking see you. You know what I mean? And like, that's what they do to monsters. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and yeah, no, I, I, I love what you said on that. <laughs> and I, I, I relate to that fucking hard. Yeah. And I mean, like, and that's why like, I think for me, like the word I, I tend to use more is the demons inside. Like, 
you know, because I think about like if I went to the pizza place down the street from my house and got pizza, like there are some people that think, OK, you know, for a binge, I'm going to go get a pizza. But for me, I'm like, OK, so I got a pizza and immediately my head goes, well, if you're going to do this, you know, you're probably not going to do this again for a while. So you might as well go across the street to the gas station and get ice cream and candy, too. And then, yep. you know, you really, you know, it, wouldn't it be great to have cookie dough? So let's, oh, and if we're going to get cookie dough, we might as well see what the bakery has. Like, it's so easy to like to allow that kind of beast to roar that it's it's a different experience than I'm going to be naughty and have a piece of pizza today. Like, it's a completely Ex different exactly. experience. You know, it's, Exa it, it, it's not even comparable. In my, in, in my opinion, it's not even comparable. Oh, I completely agree with you, man. And I think like, I don't, and again, like I don't, I, I think because these experiences have shaped us to be the people that we are, I don't know that they ever do go, like you're saying, like, I don't think they ever do necessarily go away. It's just how we perceive and react to them is what changes, you know, like, and we hope that we can find healthier ways. Like it's that idea of finding, you know, going back to what we were talking about in the very beginning when we started this talk, you know, about food as a coping mechanism. It's, we're, there's always going to be things in our lives we have to cope with. And if food is the only coping mechanism we have, then we know where that leads. You know, so you have to find new strategies and you have to find new weapons and new tools to use and, you know, new ways to get through those situations because it's not like life is ever going to give you a break. Nope, not at all. It will never, it will never fucking stop. We're just, it's always going to be some new issue, uh, some new problem that can lead you back down that path of dealing with your fucking coping mechanisms that suck and don't help you. And I think that if you are conscious and you're aware of it, you can get through things without jumping back into the food or, you know, for some people it's back into drugs. Some people it's just back into the arms of someone that's shitty to them. You know, it's, it all, de it all depends, you know? Well, there you go, man. I really like, I, I think that's a good way to kind of bring it back full circle as we start to wrap up our discussion today. So Chris, if people want to connect with you after, you know, hearing this discussion and want to talk a little bit more, how do they find you, man? Uh, I am on Instagram all day, every day, uh, at lose the jelly. Uh, all one word, no spaces or anything. Uh, yeah, you can find me on there. That's pretty much the only social media platform I, I use. You, you can look me up on Facebook at Christopher Stanley, uh, with no E, but I barely post on there cause Facebook is just a graveyard. So yeah, uh, lose the jelly at Instagram. That that's kind of weird that you spell Christopher without an E though. What's that? You, you said, look you up at Christopher Stanley without an E and I didn't know anyone spelled Christopher without an E. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry, Christopher Stanley. No, I, uh, Stanley. Uh, oh oh, I thought I'm just, I thought I I'm, fucked up. No, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you, man. It's okay. I did not get that. I'm an idiot. It's it's you okay. I, I want I want to let that go. I want to let that go right over your head. So Chris, <laughs> I, I I it's always you know I like to I like to bring a little shame back around to my guests before the end of the episode just so they don't they don't leave on a high note. Um, Hell yeah. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the fat guy five now, Chris. Are you ready for your questions? I'm ready. I'm a little bit scared now, but I'm ready okay. to roll. No worries, man. Here we go. So question number one, living or dead, tell us who is your favorite fat guy? Ooh, Chris Farley. There we go. There's, uh, if you listen to the episodes, there's always one or it's usually either or Chris Farley or John Candy for that answer. But 
I usually age people based on which answer they give. You know, I, I can make age guesses, but I think that's he's I a think good answer. That's a good, I think that's very easy to to age guess. Uh, that oh, one, yeah. hell yeah, of course. I mean, John oh, Candy yeah. is great, but yeah, definitely, definitely Chris Farley. There we go. There no, we go. No, no, no question for me. Uh, now, of course, the, we've got an nice. ambulance exploding outside. This is my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been going on our whole recording. Luckily, I'll I'll do my best to edit it out, but. Question Beautiful. number two, Chris. Question number two. What is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Sense of humor and charm can go uh, an extremely long way. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Question number three, Chris. If you could go back in time and give your past self one piece of advice, what would it be? That's a that's a good one. Uh, I would say. It, Taco Bell is not going to be a sustaining happiness. I like that, man. I like that. Question number four. We just finished talking about, you know, the, seeing yourself as a monster, Chris. So now I'm going to flip that around and I want you to tell me something you love about yourself. This is going to be very, um, uh, cringy probably, but I love, uh, how hard of a worker I am. I think I, uh, work harder in, in every aspect, um, harder than most people that I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hard fucking worker. There we go, man. There we go. And question number five, Chris, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? To be honest, man, that, I I want a dog. That's my nice. that's my biggest goal for the next year. I I want to be able to have a dog, uh, healthy wise, meaning like you know not a like having a dog right now with like how much I work would just be dumb uh, and just unfair to the dog. But yeah, no, that's like my that's like my next like kind of like small like short term goal is to get a dog. I like it, man. I like it. That'll be awesome. So, Chris, I just really want to say thank you. You know, we we had a, a pretty in-depth discussion today, and I just really appreciate you taking the time and being willing to share your story with everyone. Dude, I want to thank you for doing this. As I said at the even before we started recording, uh, you uh, giving people this platform to like express it. Like you don't know me. You like I I hit you up because I saw your page, and you immediately were like, "Hey, you know, I'd love to have you on the on the podcast." Um, I, I think what you're doing is really important, man. And I'm very grateful that you, uh, let me do this and that you're doing this in general. Uh, I think it's fucking important, man. And you're hitting a fucking target. That's like not talked about enough. And, uh, again, I've said it before, dude, your fucking page is great. And I love your talking points. I, I think you're, you're fucking crushing shit. Well, well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. And I have really enjoyed our time together today. And if anyone else enjoyed this discussion with Chris, go find him on Instagram. And you can also, of course, find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Or if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one ketogenic coaching, that is something that I'm doing right now with The Keto Road at www.theketoroad.com slash coach dash Mike. You can find all that all out there. It'll all be in the show notes. And hey, my friends, if it's not early morning for you, even if it's late at night, remember to do something today to amaze yourself because you are amazing people. And then we'll catch you again on the Fat Guy Forum.